0: to God at Work, Stories of Grace and Faith. I'm your host, Chuck Groover, and today I continue with a look at the prominent figures and pretty much the start of the Methodist movement by looking at the life of George Whitfield. Whitfield was born on December 27, uh, 1714, in Glou- Gloucester, uh and attended Pembroke College at the University of Oxford, where he basically joined up with the Wesley Brothers as part of what was then called the Holy Club, uh, with whom, again, with the Wesley Brothers, he would work with later in life, as one of pretty much one of the founders of the Methodist movement. In 1740, he traveled to North America where he played a role in the Great Awakening, preaching services and revivals. As I mentioned, he was born on the 27th of December uh, 1714 in Gloucester, England at the Bell Inn, Southgate Street. Uh, He was the fifth son and the seventh as well as the youngest child of Thomas Whitfield and Elizabeth Edwards. And he found a passion for, and talent for acting in the theater at a young age, which this passion and talent actually carried over with his theatrical theatrical reenactments of Bible stories that he would tell during his sermons. Uh, due to business at the inn declining, because his parents owned, I don't know if they owned Bell Inn, but his parents were innkeepers. But, due to business declining at the inn, uh, Whitfield didn't have really the means to pay for tuition at Oxford. And thus, thus he entered Oxford basically as what was considered a servitor, which was considered to be the lowest rank of undergraduate you could be. It was being a servant to the fellows and fellow commoners, uh, performing duties such as teaching them in the morning, helping them bathe, cleaning their rooms, carrying their books, and assisting them with their work in exchange for free tuition. and illness, as well as uh, Henry Scogel's book, The Life of God and the Soul of Man, influenced Whitfield to basically turn to the church, and where following a religious conversion he became passionate for preaching about his newfound faith, like many uh, new converts usually end up being, getting that fire for, for sharing the gospel. He preached his first sermon at St. Mary de Crypt Church in Gloucester a week after being ordained, and earlier had become also the leader of the Holy Club when John and Charles Leslie left for Georgia. Uh, Whitfield also later headed for Georgia, basically in 1738, uh, to serve as a parish priest. And it was while there, he decided one of the greatest needs in that area was an orphanage. And basically decided that would be his life's work. He headed back to England to raise money as well as to receive priests' orders. And it was also at this time, while he was back in England, that he started to preach to large congregations as well as open-air preaching. And I don't remember if I'd mentioned it when I was talking about John Wesley, but it was George Whitfield that got John Wesley into the act of open-air preaching when he invited John Wesley to take over for him in England when Whitfield decided to return back to Georgia. Uh, Also, with a difference in opinions regarding... uh, The concept of predestination and to an extent the split between Calvinism and Arminianism, Whitfield basically handed over the entire ministry of to the West that he had going with the Wesleys over to them. Uh, Whitfield's endeavor to build an orphanage was also central to his preaching, forming what was basically a two-fold task that occupied the rest of his life. on March 25th 1740 the construction actually began on the Cesda orphanage and Whitfield wanted it to be a place of strong gospel influence with a wholesome atmosphere and strong discipline. Uh, when he returned to the colonies basically in 1740 he preached a series of revivals, which most of us nowadays refer to as the First Great Awakening. And much like his contemporary Jonathan Edwards, Whitfield preached a staunchly Calvinistic uh, theology. Yet while affirming God's sole agency in salvation, uh, Whitfield also freely offered the Gospel ending his sermons with, Come, poor, lost, undone sinner, come just as you are to Christ. Whitfield married a widow by the name of Elizabeth James on November 14, 1741, and after their 1744 to 1748 stay in the American colonies, she never really accom- accompanied him on his travels after that. Uh, someone who stayed with the Whitfields at one point, uh, by the name of Cornelius Winter, actually noticed, noted uh, that George really was not happy in his life and observed that basically her death, on August 9th of 1768, pretty much set his mind much at liberty. In 1770, at the age of 55, George Whitfield, in spite of poor health, continued uh, to preach, stating that I would rather wear out than rust out. And basically being a person who did as he stated, did not really believe in the concept of retiring. The morning after preaching in a field atop a large barrel, Whitfield died in the parsonage of Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts, on September thirtieth, 1770. And upon Whitfield's request. John Wesley preached his funeral sermon in London. Uh, Whitfield was said to have left almost 1,500 pounds British pounds to family and friends. Uh, deposited about 1,000 British pounds for his wife, if he were to have predeceased her and also contributed 3,300 British Pounds to the Bethesda Orphanage. Of uh, The source of this wealth, which, if you look at those numbers, might not seem a lot, but when you look at it in terms of today's values, what he left behind was roughly around 800,000, British pounds. Of again, of which the, the source escaped Whitfield's memory, but that it, except that it had been left to him in a most unexpected way and unthought of means. Uh, there is pretty much more to Whitfield's life. Uh, a lot there's a lot of controversy Uh, he had complex views regarding slavery in which he did not view it wrong to own slaves but yet he saw the treatment of slaves as being terrible Uh, he faced numbers of con- controversies and op- oppositions from all different areas. But one thing, and I will have links to a lot of re- to a couple of resources if you want to go and look further into George Whitfield's life to read up on some of that stuff. But of his legacy, it was said by Mark Galley, George Whitfield was probably the most famous religious figure of the 18th century. Newspapers called him the marvel of the age. Whitfield was a preacher capable of commanding thousands on two continents through the sheer power of his oratory. In his lifetime, he preached at least 18,000 times to perhaps 10 million hearers. So, that's it uh, from me on George Whitfield's life. So again, for this episode, this is Chuck Groover on George Whitfield, and that's God at Work. God at Work, stories of grace and faith is brought to you by Becoming God's Man Ministries and is written and produced by Charles Groover. If you have any questions, comments, or stories of how God has worked in your life that you would like to share, you can contact us at stories at GodAtWorkPodcast.com or by leaving a voicemail or texting 727-315-0830. If you would like to support God at Work or Becoming God's Man Ministries, you can find out how by going to either GodAtWorkPodcast.com or BecomingGodsMan.com. Opening theme is Fine Line, and closing theme is Airline, both by Geographer and obtained from the YouTube Audio Library. And as always, thank you for listening.